So you go to God and you confess the lust to him, whatever kind it is, you name it and you say it to him. The Bible says, trust in him at all times. You people pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. King David showed us that you can defeat a giant like Goliath, but it's another thing altogether to defeat the giant of lust. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us this time. Today, we're continuing the series, Disarming Your Giants, with a look at the battle we all face from time to time, the battle with lust. It's always struck me as ironic that young David could face and defeat a nine-foot giant with only a slingshot and a stone but could not defeat the giant of lust that lurked in his own heart. And we've seen this very same story played out time and again in our own day. Is there an answer to this struggle? Can we really win the fight against this seductive giant? Well, as with all of our struggles, the Word of God holds the key. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, Disarming the Giant of Lust. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 12. I want to talk to you today about disarming a giant. If we could all stand just to read this one verse, honor the Word of God. This one verse, talk about lust. We've been talking about disarming giants. I've talked about disarming discouragement, anxiety, anger, offense, intimidation, temptation, doubt, condemnation. It's a lot of giants. We have two to go. I'm going to deal with lust today. And next, depression or a heavy heart. How to disarm that heavy heart. But today, lust. And lust may not mean what you think it does. Let's look at this one verse. Since it's so short, let's read it together. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its what? Lust. So there's the word. Paul drops that word on us, and he does it many times, and so does the rest of the Bible. Talks about lust. Well, if we're not supposed to obey it, then apparently we're to be free of it. Okay? That's what it says. Now, when somebody says the word lust, you kind of tend to look at the ground, and it's kind of an embarrassing topic for a lot of people, because we immediately think it's talking about sexual lust. But we're going to see that it's not only exclusively talking about sexual lust. Lust covers a wide range of of possibilities. Now, going straight to the word in the original language, the word lust comes from a Greek word meaning strong desire, the longings of one's heart. Here's a good one, cravings, cravings, or strong appetite. Now, we all know what it is to have a strong desire. Anybody in here that's had a strong desire in the last week, raise your hand. Well, The rest of you just had a strong desire to lie (laughs) because I know you've had a strong desire this week. If you've got a pulse, 
You have strong desires. Okay. But cravings, that's the meaning of the word lust. Strong desire, craving, and they can be good or they can be bad. And what we need to know today, first and foremost, is that lust is not always bad. When you say the word lust, you're not necessarily talking about a bad thing. It can also be a longing for what is good and what is right. I've told both services so far, and I'll just tell you that when I was getting ready for church and kind of prepping for the weekend, I was in prayer, and I was very taken by a strong desire to see God move. I could almost have called it a lust, a craving, a longing to see God move. I live with a desire to carry the word to the world. It's a longing I have. It came upon me when I was 18 years old. It's never left. It came from the Spirit of God. And I want you to understand today that to have a strong craving can be a good thing. We're supposed to crave for God. Crave God. Crave His presence. Uh, Crave His will. Crave to be with Him. Long to know Him better. Have a strong desire to walk with him. I believe if you're a child of God, that ought to be something that you experience at least from time to time. Lord, I want to be with you. I want to know you. I long to draw near. I long to pull in tight to you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to be a man of God, a woman of God. I want to be your person. Amen. Amen. Psalms 10:17 says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. That word desire is from a Hebrew meaning strong desire. Now he's saying, Lord, I had a strong desire and you heard it and you answered it. The implication is that answered prayer took place and that prayer was fueled by strong desire. As a matter of fact, did you know that James tells us that one of the marks of true prayer is fervent, strong, craving desire. The Bible says the effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of the righteous man avails much, releasing great power, dynamic in its working. Do you hear those passion words? Passion words. Fervent, heartfelt, strong desire. And it says that when you pray with that kind of an intense craving, that's the kind of prayer that God just looms in on, just homes in on and and answers. Prayers are not supposed to be dead, dry, oh Lord, if thou wouldest, shouldest, couldest. It's, It's like John Knox, the great Scottish evangelist, prayed this way. Watch this. This prayer is famous, and it's one sentence. He said, oh God, give me Scotland or I die. Now that's passion. That is craving to see God move. So lust can be positive. That'd be all right if we all went out here saying, boy, I'm lusting for God. I crave for God. Okay? But, of course, you know the flip side. Lust is sinful. It's sinful when it originates with the flesh as a strong desire or a craving for what God forbids. So if it's the right kind of lust or craving, it springs from the Spirit of God working in our heart. But when it's the wrong kind, it comes out of our flesh And it's a craving for that which God forbids. And we all know what that feels like. James said it comes from within you. 
lust does not originate with the devil. The devil doesn't come and put lust in us. James said, each one is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Notice, own lust, your lust. Flip Wilson was wrong. The devil didn't make him do it. See, lust originates in our own fallen nature, and then the devil capitalizes on that lust. He used it. If we weren't walking in the flesh, the devil wouldn't have anything to work with. It's only when we get in the flesh he has something to work with. James said that lust begins here, and then you're lured and enticed where you shouldn't go. An example of the wrong kind of lust, it's really a good one. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they got sick and tired of manna. Manna means, what is it? They looked at that manna for the first time. They said, what is it? And that became manna's name. What is it? On the ground, looked like a little coriander seed. They didn't know what it was, so they said, what is it? And that's what it was named. And they lived on manna for years and years and years. Baked manna, fried manna, microwave manna. They had all kinds of manna. And finally, they decided, I am so sick of this manna. But now watch this, church. The reason they had the manna was because God was teaching them daily dependence on him. Because every morning, they had to go out and gather it. Every morning, they had to go out, and they had to depend on God to put it there. And they went out every morning and gathered it. And so they were learning to humble themselves and be daily dependent on God. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So we are led to learn the same lesson that our bread comes daily from God, okay? But they rebelled against that. And they said, we're tired of this, what is it? We're tired of this manna. So we want meat. God, give us meat. And all of a sudden, as they complained and griped and moaned and murmured, the sky grew black with huge flocks of quail. And the quail began to drop like flies all around them. They thought God had answered their murmuring. But the Bible tells us what happened. It says the people ate their fill. He gave them what they, watch this, craved. So there you've got a craving that originated with the flesh. But before they satisfied their craving, while the meat was yet in their teeth, the anger of God rose against them. He killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. I'm so glad I don't live in Old Testament days. Because we wouldn't have a church in here if God killed us every time we yielded to a craving. Amen? Amen. I'd be preaching to empty chair. Well, I wouldn't be here either. (laughs) We'd all be gone, right? Vaporized. But God was teaching a lesson that inordinate fleshly cravings will destroy you. That's the lesson. But we see from this story that All wrong cravings or desires or lusts are not sexual in nature. This wasn't sexual. They wanted a dove dinner. They wanted a dove dinner, and God gave them a dove dinner, but it was not the kind of answer to prayer they wanted. Craving, lust, is not always sexual. The Bible testifies that fallen mankind is constantly troubled because of lust in our hearts. James says, where do wars and fights come from among you? In home, at workplace, between nations, where do they come from? Do they not come from the lusts that war in your members? You lust and don't have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. And the instigator, the inspiration of all of this fighting and warring is lust. 
in the heart. And we also see when you look at the subject of lust that the devil has infused and infiltrated our entire world with lust. This world that we live in is built upon lust. John said, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that is in the world, here we go, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, pride of life is the attitude, I don't need God. And is that not where America is today? And look at where America is being consumed with lust, destroyed by lust, overtaken by lust, because we have said, I don't need God, pride of life. And it says, those things don't come from the Father, but from the world, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor the shadow of change. So if it's good and it's perfect, then it comes down from the Father. But if it's a fleshly lust, it doesn't originate with the Father, but with our own flesh. The list of lustful possibilities is almost endless. Alcohol, drugs, people who become involved in either one of those two, they experience cravings. I mean cravings. Now, I'm not talking about temptation to sin. I'm going a step further, and I'm talking about lust, the craving, the desire, the longing that seems to overtake you. It feels bigger than you, stronger than you. It's all you can think about. It's all you see when you're experiencing it. It's a craving. And that's the kind of lust that we want to disarm. That's the kind of lust that Jesus wants to give us victory over. Fame is a lust. Are you ready for this one? Food. Gluttony. How about money? Money is a lust. Violence. Violence is lust-driven. Violence is a lust. All of these things spring out of what Peter called lusts that war against your soul. These are lusts inside of us. We're in a battle. And the great thing about heaven is going to be there is no more temptation. The devil's gone. The flesh is gone. Fallen nature is gone. And can you imagine even going one week without feeling a temptation? Imagine eternity with no more temptation. But in the meantime, we have lust that war against our soul. And Peter said, I beseech you as pilgrims and strangers in this earth that you avoid these lusts that war against your soul. Now, I want to tell you today, I know this is a, a delicate subject and, and I know that I'm hitting home because we all experience this. But I want you to understand that there's not a form of lust you face in whatever way it manifests in your life that you have a Savior who understands every weakness of yours and mine. He was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. That's almost beyond comprehension to me. But there is not a lust that you experience, not a compulsion, not a pull, not a longing, not a craving that Jesus Christ did not deal with it on the battlefield of life. The only difference with him was he never succumbed. So when he hung on that cross, Satan had orchestrated the murder of an innocent man. He was innocent through and through, pure, tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And so that precious blood that flowed down that old wooden cross was the blood that set us free, not only got us into heaven, 
but set us free from the giant of lust. That's the message. Jesus, in the midst of your battle, is your friend. He's not against you. He's not looking down at you, angry at you, because you're struggling over this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to experience the compulsion, the craving of a wrong kind of lust. The Bible says Jesus has set us free. You will know the truth and it'll make you free. And he whom the son frees is free, truly indeed, truly free, free on the inside. You can be in a wide open space, folks, and be in prison on the inside, or you can be in a little jail and be free. Freedom is an inside thing. It's not an outside thing. Now, here's the million dollar question. How do you disarm the giant of lust? How do we do it? How do you do it? If I'm supposed to be free, how do I do it? I'm going to give you three simple things. First, say this with me, ask for help. Now, isn't that profound? But you know what that entails and what it requires? Humility to ask for help. Men, men don't want to admit to struggling with a weakness. Oh, I am man, hear me roar. We don't like to admit it. I'm not telling anybody. And they're dying on the inside. Struggling. Second service this morning, we had men come down, weeping, seeking God, breaking. A couple of them reeking of alcohol. Came into church not having any idea they would be down here getting their hearts right. And I watched the chains break. I watched the chains break. And that's what church is about. The Bible says we should take our struggles vertical and horizontal. Vertical to God. There's nothing you take to God that he doesn't already know. There is nothing you take to God that's going to shock God. God already knows. Isn't it amazing? So many times we pray, we think we're telling God something. We're telling for our sake, not for his sake. He already knows every struggle. So you go to God and you confess the lust to him, whatever kind it is, you name it and you say it to him. God, I am struggling with and name it and say it. The Bible says, trust in him at all times. You people pour out your hearts to him. Let it go to him, for God is our refuge. He's not going to reject us. He's not going to turn us aside. He's our refuge, our rock, our strength, our shield, our healer, our deliverer. He is our sealer. He is our savior. He is all of these things to us. God is. You can tell him about it. Tell him about it. Now, you'll notice that sometimes when you go to do that, and you know you've confessed your sins to him, he's forgiven you, but you're still struggling with that giant. And if that's still what's happening, here's what you need to do. Take it horizontal. Tell a friend. Tell a pastor. Tell a counselor. Tell someone trustworthy about your struggle. Well, pastor, I just don't want to do that because I know it'll happen. They'll look at me from then on like I'm some kind of a freak. No, they won't. Because there's not a person in here who hasn't dealt with the giant of lust in some arena of life. And so like Jesus said, you that is without sin, you cast the first stone and nobody could and nobody still can. The church has got to get past this illusion we try to give people that when we walk into church, we've got some halo over our head that's not tarnished. 
We struggle all week long with the flesh. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. We all have battles. And if we would just get to the place where we say, brother, sister, I want you to pray with me because I'm really dealing with this giant. Because listen to what the Bible promises. Confess your faults to one another. Did you know that was there? And that's not talking about a Catholic priest going to confession. You're all priests. Okay? So it says, confess your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I used to read that and go, oh, that's talking about physical healing. But then I dug into it this week and found what I thought I would find. It's not just talking about physical healing. The word healed here refers to freedom from sin. That when you bring something into the light, it's like God pulls up the curtains, the sunshine comes in, all the cobwebs in that dark room where you've been defeated are revealed. The spiders, the cobwebs, the rats scurrying on the floor, the cockroaches, they all start to run when the light comes in. And the light comes in when we confess to one another and just say, I need prayer. I need prayer. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about here at Turning Point. I'm going to tell you, Tuesday night and Thursday night, we have Celebrate Recovery. I go to most of the graduations. I never cease to be amazed because Celebrate Recovery is all about you sharing with someone else your struggle, coming out with it. I need you. I need your prayer. I need your help. I need you to walk through this battle with this giant with me. And I sit right over there and I listen to these testimonies on graduation night. And I am always absolutely blown away at what I hear. The things that they have been delivered of. Sometimes this was the last stop. This was it before they walked off the cliff. And here they turn. And here they get delivered. And here they get free. One of the great reasons that Turning Point is here is celebrate recovery. Because it's really seeing people free. It really is. So the word for healed means freedom from sin. So when you go to somebody and you say, hey, I'm struggling. There's something about that. It breaks the spell of that lust. Second thing, recognize what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we ask for help. And then we recognize something. What did Jesus do for us on the cross? I hope this has helped you in your own struggle with the stubborn giant of lust. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you know, maybe you're not aware that Life Talk has many helpful resources to better aid you in fighting the good fight and to help you grow in your spiritual walk. Just go to our website at lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And spend some time looking through our archive of free downloadable podcasts and other helpful tools. We would love to have you visit. And join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, Disarming the Giant of Lust. Until then, I really do pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff, and if you appreciate the straightforward Bible teaching you hear on Life Talk Radio, 
you can help us continue to be a voice of truth on this station. Call toll-free at 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us any time, day or night and make a donation to Empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. Disarming the Giant of Lust is the ninth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to LiveTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to LifeTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.